which will you know, lead us in the wrong direction. So I uh, spoke about uh, the importance of having good friends, uh, spiritual friends who will guide us in the right direction and to turn away from people who will drag us down, get us more entrenched in our bad habits. So sometimes we do need to turn away. Uh, or if we see a situation that is kind of futile, it's not going to, whatever we do is not going to get any better, whatever we put into it will just get more and more complex, more and more messy, then the, the correct thing to do is to turn away. It's like making boundaries. So of course there are times when we need to turn away. But the, the meaning of this, this uh, title is never to turn away from what is true. So I think a lot of the time uh, we, we turn away in, in sort of subtle ways that we don't really notice. So there's so many uh, ways we can do this now. It could be something kind of gross, like, I mean, strong, like uh, getting drunk or, or getting uh, stoned or um, getting high on some, you know, some kick, something really exciting that's, that's harming others. That's the kind of extreme end. Or it could be just something quite sort of subtle that we don't really notice ourselves doing, like spacing out in front of the computer or on our phone or whatever it is. And uh, these are these are all these are kind of different ends of the spectrum, but they're ways of turning away from from what is going on here in this body and mind. And the practice is is this, is a training to bring us back to the here and now, to the to the actual experience of what's going on here and now. And the more we're present with what's going on here, the more incentive there is to transform our hearts and minds and our lives. Um, so while we're still semi-present, we can, you know, we can kind of be a nice person and, and uh, have good intentions and, and just have kind of a large part of our life that we're not really here for, that we vacate or we uh, absorb into something. And, and then we, we kind of come out of that and then we're kind of, we're okay again. And in doing that, we're, we're turning away from what is true here in this body and mind. So all of us come in, you know, by the time we're adults, generally we, we're kind of carrying a fair bit of baggage with us from our lives before, from our families, our maybe even generations back in our families, and from our social conditioning and school, all kinds of stuff. We, we you know, we, we have buttons that are, that are tender or volatile. We have places where we feel fragile, places where we're afraid or places where we feel grandiose. We have all of these, you know, aspects of our character that we kind of accumulate through our, through our childhood, adolescence and adult life. And in the practice, what we're doing is learning to stop and turn towards that to look really honestly at what, it, what is here. So probably what we find is a whole mixture of things. We find some really noble intention, uh, aspiration to awaken, to be compassionate, to be patient, 
you know, we find all these really good, beautiful qualities. And then we also find the more embarrassing stuff, you know, the, uh, the jealous or the needy or the uh, self-centered, you know, all of these, these aspects of, of the ego that, that kind of run out, get out of hand when we don't take care and pay attention to them. So the Buddha really just acknowledged this in a, in a very open way, you know, that the, the human, a human being has a whole mixture of, of things. And we also all have this potential, we all share the same potential to fully awaken. So in the, in the Buddhist time, there are all kinds of people were um, hearing the teachings, practicing the teachings and, and awakening through practice all kinds of people from um, royalty to um, shepherds to even a mass murderer, all kinds of people and well-educated people and, and simple people who hadn't had an education, all kinds of people, all different classes in society were hearing the teachings, practicing the teachings and awakening. <coughs> So you know, the Buddha really, really sort of saw and acknowledged that we have all kinds of stuff here that we carry around, all kinds of uh, identity aspects to our, our identity. And the way to free ourselves from keeping on again and again recreating the same old person that we've been creating year after year, day after day, is to turn towards what is going on here. So in the, the Four Noble Truths, which was the Buddha's first really clear teaching, where one of the, the five people he was teaching became a, a, a stream enterer, so they, they gained the first level of enlightenment through this teaching. He was pointing to, first of all, the, the experience of dukkha, or of, of stress, or suffering, or unsatisfactoriness. Dukkha. There is dukkha. <coughs> which perhaps you may have noticed in your lives, here and there. And, uh, and that there is a cause to this dukkha. And that also that this dukkha stops, it has, there's a cessation. And there is a path that leads to the ending of dukkha. And this was a really beautiful and compassionate teaching. Because he's not saying, you know, you should be a different way, you should be perfect, you know, you, you've got the potential to awaken, so what's wrong with you, you know, just get on with it. He wasn't saying that, he was, he was pointing to the, the problem, the cause, the fact that there is a, a way out and, and the way out. And the, the very first step in this uh, practice with the, with the Four Noble Truths is to recognize, first of all, to recognize there is dukkha. So we tend, you know, the American culture very much is about like not recognizing there is dukkha and, and seeing like beautiful, happy, young, strong, you know, looking at our potential. Don't look at the, the difficult, look at the positive. And, and that's, uh, that's got its good sides to it, actually. It's not a rot, it's not bad. But if you don't balance that with also looking at the dukkha, then uh, it's kind of, it's... Uh, it's a path that leads to more dukkha. Because we can't be happy all the time, young all the time, healthy all the time, successful all the time. It doesn't work like that. Life is not like that. 
And there are, there's times with, with being healthy, times of being sick, times of being successful, times of failure, times of confidence, times of feeling insecure. And that's how it is to be a human being, it's natural. So uh, the, the dukkha or the stress or the suffering arises when we identify, when we uh, grasp hold of what is arising. So it might be that we, we recognize uh, a sense of insecurity. And then we feel like, well, I'm not supposed to be insecure, I'm supposed to be confident, strong, you know, I should be over this by now. But we feel insecure. So maybe we can kind of bluff our way through and nobody notices, but inside there's that feeling, it doesn't go away. So rather than pushing that away or being averse to it or um, judging it or wanting to get rid of it, we take an interest, so we turn towards it. And this is what the Buddha is pointing to, turn towards dukkha. Dukkha should be understood. So our teacher, Ajahn Sumedho, he used to say, uh, dukkha should be understood, stand under it. Stand under it, let it rain on you. Know what it feels like. What does it feel like to feel insecure? What does it feel like to feel grief? You know, what does it feel like to feel overwhelmed? And you know, whatever it might be, what does it feel like? How is it? And because we know that everything is changing, it gives us a, a certain kind of confidence to meet this. If, if we think that this is who and what I am, I am a person who is perpetually insecure and, and feeling inadequate, let's say, then that would be really difficult because then I turn to look at it and then I feel like, oh my God, you know, what a mess, it's all hopeless, and I just give up. But it's, it's, it's within the, the wisdom context of everything's changing. This is the Dhamma, this is the, the essence of the Dhamma, everything's changing. Whether we like it or not, what we love changes, what we can't stand changes, what we don't notice changes, everything changes all the time. It's all, all of this and us is in a state of flux all the time. So that's a, that's a support in a practice like everything changes. So it's safe to look at what's going on because it's not permanent. And then recognizing, you know, if everything changes, could I call what's changing? Can I actually say, that's me, that's mine? I mean, people, we do, we do say that, but in reality, <laughs> Is it? You know, can we call something that is, is constantly changing me? Can I call a, a thought that has arisen, conditioned by past experience and present experience, and, and, is, and is arising in the moment, can I call, really believe that is me? Or is that just a feeling? Is that just a thought that's arising now and has a strength and is really believable and is changing? So as, as, as we get to know those, those changing moods and feelings and thoughts and perceptions, the, the, the grasp of me and mine gets less. We start to recognize that this, it might seem totally, feel totally like who I am in the moment, but it's not. It's just a feeling that's, that's arisen and it's changing. So we can use that as like a wisdom aspect. We can use the knowledge of impermanence and the knowledge of this is not who and what I am. This is not, not self, anatta. And that supports us in being able to really just honestly turn and look at what's going on here. So there are so many, uh, it's, it's kind of complex really in, at this 
at this time in the world because we have our own body and mind, our own conditioning from our family and so on, which I was saying before. And then we have just the enormous input from the media, you know, what's going on in the world, which is really overwhelming. It's, it's probably virtually impossible to take all of that in and, and remain open because you just feel like, whoa, you know, what do I do with this? It's too much. So we have to start, just like when you, with, with everything really, where, you, know, you don't start by taking on the whole world, you start with something that you can manage and you develop some, some strength and some skill with what you can manage. So, uh, say, so let's begin with, with what's going on here in, in one's own heart. You know, maybe there's a, a sense of sorrow or fear or uh, confusion, whatever it may be. And so we meet that, we, we take an interest in that with a kindly, like a kindly interest. I think kindness is really, really important in this practice because, you know, we have we kind of hold a high we, we have a high bar that we expect of ourselves. We, you know, to just to be a human being is not enough. <laughs> you've got to be the best, the top. You've got to be really good. You've got to be brilliant, intelligent, beautiful, capable, clever, funny, all of those things. And of course, none of us are, I mean, very few, maybe one or two people here might be all of those things <laughs> for a while, <laughs> and that changes. But most of us aren't all of that, you know, we're, we're human beings, fallible and, and a mixture of good and bad, of, of wise and a little bit foolish. You know, that's, that's how we are until we're fully awakened, really. We have a mix. So, uh, you know, recognizing that and having the compassion to allow this human being, this particular one, all of those ones here, allow this particular human being that you wake up as each morning to be okay as you are, you know. You're, you, you, this is a basic good start, what you have. And then to see, well, what, what is it that needs to be attended to? So not to get up and immediately sort of zone out on something. And if you have a habit of doing that then, and, and you recognize that, then just recognize that and stop yourself. Find, find a way of changing the habit. Because if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, we have the same results over and over again. You know? so, um, so that works to our benefit or our detriment depending on what we're doing. So to, to recognize those, those places where we zone out or where we, uh, we shut down or we judge ourselves, we can't accept what is actually going on here. We can't turn towards what's going on here in our own heart and mind. And if we do this really honestly, if we really turn honestly to what's going on in this heart and mind, you know, we find, it's like, it's, uh, it's like an alchemy almost, it's like a transformation happens. So if we have that intention to awaken and transform, which I figure everybody here has, otherwise you wouldn't be here spending your Sunday in, uh, a room sitting in silence and, you know, with whatever's coming up, you, you, there's, there's that intention must be already here. Um, so that's, with that intention as, as a kind of broad holding of your experience and the willingness to turn towards what's going on, an alchemy can, can naturally happen. So we don't want to feed the negative. We don't want to turn towards what's, what's 
difficult and feed it, feed the stories, feed the, you know, get, feel sorry for ourselves. That's, that's not, uh, that doesn't lead to any kind of freedom at all. That leads to more of the same. But to turn towards it in an interested way, in a curious way, you know, why is there this sorrow or this flatness or whatever it is that we find? You know, what is the, what, why is that there? And it might be that underneath there's a, there's a wish to, you know, maybe there's a feeling of overwhelm or, or a wish to, to do something of benefit in the world, but we feel we don't, we can't, we don't know where to start. Or, uh, or maybe we have a, an old story that keeps playing out and, and that kind of drags us down. So if that's the case, we can start to change the story. So I say sometimes about when I was a novice, in the, we used to have we would have three month retreats. We still have them actually, three month in silent retreat each year, in the winter, and one winter retreat kind of. But I've been in, in the robes maybe two or three years, and uh, maybe two I think. And this this story was playing out every, through the meditation of of all of the difficulties of my life. You know, all of the painful things that happened, the difficult things. And, it was playing itself out, and it's really painful. It's like, oh God, you know, oh and this, oh and that, oh and that, and oh, and um, you know, and then for a little while, feeling like, why, you know, why all these difficult things happen to me? I'm not a bad person, you know. So that going on for a little while, and then as as the meditation carried on, you know, it was three months, so it's plenty of time. <laughs> the same life started to play itself out from a different perspective, completely different perspective, and then it's like. It was all true, both sides were true. But then it's like, oh, that was good, and I was so fortunate over that, and wow, wasn't I lucky with, you know, and suddenly there's like these two parallel stories of the same lifetime. <laughs> both of them are true. There actually it was a mix of both, actually. So, you know, just recognizing that the story is just a story. And if we keep on uh, recreating old stories of, uh, of difficulty, or of limitation, or of not being good enough, then we keep recreating ourselves in that way. And, and if we start to change the story, we don't have to say it, those things didn't happen, but okay, from that I can take this. You know, what, what's the good? What's the, the kernel? What's, the, what's at the heart of it? So maybe if you've endured a lot of difficulty, at the heart of that is you're still here. You've endured it. You, you've come out to the other end. That's a strength. So there's strength there. Or it might be, um, you know, going through times of depression. You go into depression and come out again. And you go in again and you come out again. You might think, oh, I'm a depressed person. But you're not depressed all the time. It comes and goes. So the goodness of that is like, it, it, you come out of it. And if you bring awareness to, and mindfulness to the ups and downs of your, of your mind, so I used to be very, very high and very low. I used to go very high, very blissed out, and very low and depressed, and swinging these very big extremes. And uh, my teacher Ajahn Sumedho said to me, "You know, just be mindful of it. Be mindful of the ups and be mindful of the downs." And so I practiced that, and I, what I found was that the, the ups got less up, which was, you know, a loss, and the downs got less down, which was great. <laughs> So it's like just with mindfulness that it kind of balances out because we're not uh, buying into it in the same way. 
but it means turning towards what's going on. You have, to, you have to be with what's going on. It doesn't work if you're half present. So this is the, the first part of the Four Noble Truths, is turning towards, understanding, dukkha, get, taking an interest in knowing, you know, what, what, is, what is the dukkha? What does it feel like? How long has it been here? What is its movement? You know, just getting to know what, is its, what does it do when it's uh, in this particular dukkha, what does it do when it's here, this, this stress or this suffering? And then um, recognizing that the cause of dukkha is grasping, clinging. So clinging, we tend to think of clinging as keeping something close to us. So it can be that, well it is that actually. <laughs> we are doing that, and, but uh, you know, clinging has two movements. One is pulling towards us and the other is pushing away from us. They're both in the Buddha's teaching, these are both forms of clinging. So the pushing away is we're still putting energy into that, into that uh, mind state, let's say. Uh, so the middle way is the way that let, where, we, where it lets go, where we, we find the freedom. So as long as we're grasping or pushing away, we're still engaged in the dukkha, we're still buying into it. And when we're present with, mindful of, interested in the dukkha, then we're not feeding it, we're not pushing it away, we're just knowing it fully for what it is and, and watching its qualities, watching it change. And it will naturally fall away at some point, you know, every, it always, it always will, whether we do anything with it or not, because life is change. And then we notice, if we're mindful, we notice that change. We notice like, ah, oh, freedom. It might only be for a few moments, but ah, oh, it's gone. It changes, it ends. And then maybe something else comes in. Oh, quick, quick, get something else in there before she thinks she's getting enlightened. <laughs> you know, and that's what happens. So we have to be really kind of on the ball. <laughs> watch it all and then it just just to see that's all part of the ego in a way it's part of what the or the the um the self it has to keep recreating itself and if it can't uh, recreate itself in a in a positive way it'll it'll hold on to a negative self because the self needs a story in order to be manifest let's say and then you might think well what what is she talking about you know of course you know we're all we're all somebody and we, we, it's true in a way, we all have our characters and our different personalities, but these are just, you know, they're just ways of manifesting in the world. Just as a, you know, a trombone has one shape and sound and a piano has a different shape and sound, you know, we all have our different, different ways of being. Um, but that's not who and what we are, it's just a, a way of manifesting. And the Buddha is pointing to the, the truth of what we are is the change itself, is the awareness itself, is the, the, um, the emptiness, fullness, you could say. And the you know, emptiness is not, it's not empty as such. It is, it is full of presence and of, of interconnection and um, a certain kind of loving quality, like uh, kindness, compassion, uh, appreciation, and, and a kind of a, an evenness, that they're natural qualities of the awakened mind, that which, which we all 
have and we all touch into from time to time. So, uh, so when we turn away from what's going on here within us, it's like we're not really trusting our potential, we're not honouring our potential and we're, we're buying into the story of something that's difficult and then we're turning away from it. Oh, can't deal with that now, that's too difficult. Oh, no, no. And what we find is if we do actually, just moment by moment, turn towards it, this transformation starts to happen. And we're no longer so afraid of what we were afraid of before. We might not even know we we're afraid of it, but until we turn towards it and then we're like, ooh, it's difficult, I'm not, I don't want to be like that. And you know, I don't know how to deal with anger or whatever. But then if we turn towards it, then we, we find the way because it's like, uh, it's like a natural process. And also in, in relation to the situation you know, on this planet Earth that we're all part of now, uh, we, kind of, we kind of can't quite go through a day without mentioning it. And we always bring a picture of the planet Earth with us. Um, you know, we are in a, a very extreme situation where due to many conditions, partly natural and partly uh, human greed and confusion and uh, aversion, we are kind of heading, either heading towards a cliff very fast or maybe already flying over it, it's hard to tell. But you know, we're, we're heading, kind of bringing ourselves to destruction kind of pretty, pretty quickly. And it's very difficult for us to change direction. We're used to certain levels of comfort and uh, we have certain kind of high expectations that it's difficult for us to give up. So because of this momentum, we are kind of bringing the whole of the human race and, and many other species with us into pretty desperate situations, I think. And it can be that we look at that and we kind of go, oh no, it's all just too much, what, oh, I can't deal with it. You know, I just feel overwhelmed when I just look at it. You know, if you start to kind of really investigate it, it is overwhelming, it's overwhelming. And the, there's, no, there's no kind of simple solution. But it, what I would really recommend is just to, rather than turning away because it's all too much, just turn towards something that you can turn towards. Don't try and take everything in, but take something in and take it in deeply, something that matters to you, and take it in deeply. And uh, I hope you don't mind Mary Nell, but uh, <laughs> I just always think Mary Nell's a kind of really good example of, of someone who's, uh, if I may, <laughs> someone who's, who's turned towards what's difficult and, and has got a lot of energy from that. So, um, you know, rather than just kind of going, oh, it's all too much, I don't want to do, saying, well, what can I do? And then doing that. And that, that's like just one little piece in a, in a bigger picture. And just noticing the, the, the kind of brightness and strength and uh, energy that has come from doing that. It's very, very inspiring. So we don't have to, you know, none of us can save the world. We're not so great, any one of us. But all of us can do something if we turn towards what is happening and open to and acknowledge what is happening as much as we can. And then let that touch us. Let ourselves be touched by it and, and let that, that sorrow or that anger or that grief, whatever it is we feel, let that motivate us to do something that we can do. 
and not just stay in a kind of semi-present state, you know. And it's, you know, it's like it has to be balanced because you can't just stay with something that's difficult all the time. You've got to have a time when you're, you're, you're enjoying, time when you're playful. But it can be a, a, an enjoyment that isn't costly to the planet. It can be a very simple, innocent, an exchange between people. So we do turn away again and again, and, and it's very difficult to not, you know, to never turn away. But just learning in manageable portions to turn towards what we can and to allow ourselves to be touched by and to uh, let that transform us and to step beyond our comfort zone vital. If we don't step beyond our comfort zone, we're all done for. I can say that now. Because <laughs> our comfort zone is really high. It's unmanageable. So to step beyond our comfort zone and, and to step into <coughs> life in a way where we can, we can give something of value, even if it's just a little something together with others, it makes a difference. So there's our inner transformation and then the outer transformation. They, they kind of belong together. It's not a, we're not lots of separate individuals who are individually trying to get enlightened. We, we're, we're, we affect each other, we, we work together. Even if we're doing it alone, we just even connect in, in your mind, in your heart with others and know that you know, we're doing this together. And also to share the, the blessings of your practice, you know. If, if there's a, a situation where you just feel like, oh, it's just totally overwhelming, I just do not know what to do with that. Minimum, share the blessings of your practice, share the merits of your practice with that situation or those people, at least that. That makes a difference, that does something. That's better than shutting down or, uh, you know, turning away. So we can always do something. And then not to judge like it's not enough, it's not good enough. We do what we can. And then maybe push a little bit past the comfort zone and we find, oh, I can do a bit more. And then we do that for a while and then we find, oh, actually, I can do, I've got some skills now, you know, I can do more, I've got a bit more confident. Just let it happen gradually. But keep moving in that direction. Turning towards what is. And don't believe the stories that say, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I don't have the courage, I don't have the perseverance, I don't have the discipline, I don't have the skills, I don't have the knowledge. All of those stories, I know all of those stories inside out, I can promise you, in my own mind. I hear them again and again and again and again. They're just stories. You just do it anyway. Just take a step anyway. So we all, we're all part of this planet Earth and we all affect each other. So being here with all of you today has a profound effect on me. You know, watching you all doing Qigong outside is very beautiful. Oh, wow, look at this. All these people have come together to, for this wholesome way of, of spending a day. And, and maybe you go home with a little 
bit more clarity or a little bit more confidence or a little bit more joy. Be nice. And that's that's great. So you know, keep uh, keep turning, keep trusting that you can you can allow yourself to feel the feelings in your own heart and mind. And even the most difficult emotions can be transformed. They are they're conditioned. And so we can change, we know if we're changing our conditioning, we transform those. Anger can be transformed into good energy, action. Sorrow can be transformed into compassion. Greed can be transformed into generosity. You know, all of these things can be transformed. And we do it little by little. And then we start to maybe, maybe we don't notice any change, but our friends notice. So it's good to have friends around who can give you a little feedback now and again. <coughs> so keep uh, keep practicing, keep encouraging yourself and each other. Keep trusting and you know, hold those truths as, as part of your work, your inner and outer work, the truth of everything's changing. Because everything's changing, we can, we can help to influence in a, in, in a good way. So it's not like everything's changing so nothing matters, so pff, do what I like. It, it doesn't work like that. That leads to more and more suffering. But everything's changing, so if it's changing now, maybe my intention and my action can make a difference. I can put something into this change which will go in a, in a good direction. And uh, whatever we feel we are is not who and what we are. We are much greater than that. So keep pushing the edge a little bit of who you think you are. So I'd like to offer that today. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.